My Govanen and Shana Tova Melunin, thanks for tuning in to Speak, Friend, and Enter, a podcast where my sister and I use Tolkien's books to explain some things the movies didn't make 100% clear. She's Audrey, the movie master, and I'm Leah, your book buddy. Let's jump right back in, discussing the lost seeing stones. So, yeah. So since we're talking so much about the seeing stones, how do you say that again? Palantir? Palantir. P-A-L-A-N-T-I-R. Palantir. Palantir, okay. And the plural would be palantiri or palantirs because we're English speaking. So how many are there? Like, where do they come from, I guess? And because there, there is that, that line that Gandalf says that they are not all accounted for. Can when, you do like, that again, but say it like Gandalf? They are not all accounted for. Thank you. That was only okay. I could have done better. Do you want right. to take a third run at it? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I have a vivid memory of him like sweeping that beautiful dark piece of cloth over the mm-hmm. palantir as he's saying that. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> totally. And then like as his hand touches it, it's like <laughs> the eye. Yeah, that's very good. So according to our discussion that we just had, it was there's just two. Uh, no, those are just two of them. Okay. So then who has the rest? Where did they come from? Where did I, they go? Where, where did, did they, they come, come from? from? Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Big flaming red eye Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was really glad to get this question because I didn't know the answers. Uh, and it was a lot. It's very interesting to research because it goes into like the second age of Middle Earth and Numenorean men, which I don't know that much about. Okay. Um, so... I have mentioned the name Feanor a handful of times. He is the amazing elf craftsman who made the Silmarils, okay, uh, which are the light of the two trees of Valinor, like captured in a gem, basically. Right. Feanor also creates the Palantiri. Uh, it's unclear how many total were made in Valinor, but only seven were brought to Middle Earth when Isildur's uh, father Elendil fled Numenor. And Dragon Balls. Oh no, they are <laughs> Dragon Balls. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, in the late Second Age, so this is like three or four thousand years before Frodo times. Okay. About a thousand years before Isildur times. Gotcha. Uh, there are three Palantiri in the northern Manish kingdom of Arnor, mm-hmm. and three in the southern kingdom of Gondor, and we'll get to that last one later uh so they're used to like peep around middle earth and be walkie talkies to other people who have they are walkie talkies you're absolutely correct (laughs) yeah so out of these six one of them falls into the anduin river never to be seen again hmm never you say (laughs) they're not all accounted for (laughs) uh two of them are on a ship that an arnor king crashes so it's lost to the river or to the sea one of them is in Minas Ithil, which is captured by Nazgul, and that is Minas Morgul. Ooh, that's bad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and at this point, after after Minas Ithil is captured by Nazgul and renamed Minas Morgul, uh, the men of Gondor mm. stop using the stone that they have in Minas Anor, which will later become Minas Tirith. Okay. So it just in case uh, in case that stone in Minas Ithil hadn't been destroyed, they didn't want uh, Sauron to be able to peep on them. So they stopped using their palantir. Okay. So yeah, that is the danger then is like, you don't know who is looking at you when you're looking into them. Basically. You're absolutely correct. How, yes. But like, what is the radius that you can see around one when you're looking through yours? 
Well, uh, there's no real concrete information about just like looking around yeah. how, how far you can see. But there's no, uh, as far as like how far you can communicate with mm -hmm. another stone, there is one, that seventh one, which is at uh, the Grey Havens. And it is only used to peep at Valinor. It can't communicate with the other six. It can okay. only be used to see very far into possibly another plane of existence. Yeah. So they see far. Okay. Yeah, That. I guess that's, that's one thing that I'm not connecting here is if I just have to have a stone to see anywhere, mm -hmm. what does it matter if I'm using a stone like as the men who were like afraid to use it just in case somebody else had one, mm -hmm. doesn't it not matter because they as the enemy have one and can see at any point regardless? Uh, it, it, it isn't about, mm, that's a really good question. But I think what it comes down to is that if Sauron peeps at it while they're peeping at it, like mm. he catches their mind in the same way that he did Saruman. And with like Pippin. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And he that makes sense. Yeah. It, so it's kind of like psychic in a way yeah yeah he does psychic damage when <laughs> so it's like okay so i no i kind of get this because it's like when you're using the stone just to look at a physical place you're just seeing mm -hmm. you're just seeing you're just looking at stuff but if like somebody else is looking into yours at the same time you're reading each other's thoughts yes okay and but that's if, dangerous yes but yeah. if you're like a skilled manipulator like sauron you can hide your own thoughts yeah. And just implant. I'll get to something very interesting. So he like incepted Saruman. That is fucking exactly it. Yeah. And another person who we will get to. Okay. So uh, the sixth stone that we haven't talked about yet is the Orthanc stone, which Saruman has. Okay. And uh, the, the final one is the stone from Minas Anor or Minas Tirith. Yes. Which Denethor uses. Oh, that makes so much sense because mm -hmm. he's so fucked up. Yep, exactly. They he's... don't show that in Return of the King, though, do they? They don't. Okay. And it, it's kind of a disservice to his character. Yeah, because then he just looks like a just a crazy guy. Just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's like, Denethor is too strong-willed to be manipulated by Sauron. Yeah. But the effort that it takes him to maintain his own will makes him age prematurely. And oh. Sauron is able to show Denethor only the worst case scenario things, oh, which no. like puts him in a terrible mental state. That sucks. I know, it's Poor guy. very heartbreaking. <laughs> and that's, that kind of like, I mean, we'll get there <laughs> in a hundred years. Yeah. But um, like when Faramir comes back from that battle mm -hmm. and Denethor is like, oh, he's dead. And yeah. doesn't even like check his pulse or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's very much hopeless at that point because yeah. he's lost both of his sons mm -hmm. and he can't see any way that they can win the war against Sauron because Sauron is constantly showing Denethor like how powerful he is and how oh, Frodo already died or whatever. That sucks. Yeah. Poor Denethor. Notably, I think, gosh, I'm not really sure about the timeline on this, so I might just delete it, but I'm pretty sure Sauron shows him a vision of Frodo being captured in Mordor. Oh, okay. But that's that's just a lie then. That's not... I mean, but it, it, it is happened. worst case... Oh, yeah, I did. Shit. Take, <laughs> cut that out. But also, I think that Denethor doesn't die until Return of the King, and Frodo gets captured at the end of Two Towers. So yeah. that timeline might not work, and I might just be making things up. Regardless, Sauron shows Denethor, like, out of context things yeah. that will make him think the situation is much worse than it is. That sounds just a lot like mental illness. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. I'll drink to that. <laughs> Oh, poor Denethor. Poor Denethor. It's 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 similar to what will happen to Theoden later. Yes. Yeah. Right. But we'll get to Theoden stuff way, way, yeah, way yeah. later. So much so much to talk about. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's the palantiri uh, and, and how, why they are dangerous. Okay, cool. Yeah. So back to Saruman and Gandalf. Mm-hmm. Meeting of the minds. Yes. So, all right, I've got a question about like some timeline stuff, mm-hmm. as I often do. Because <laughs> it's so weird in the movies. <laughs> because there isn't a concept <laughs> of time in the movies. So since Gandalf was, quote, delayed in meeting Frodo in Bree, as in Saruman had imprisoned him. Mm-hmm. So he was like on top of Isengard? Or Zank. Orthanc is the tower, Isengard is the region. Oh, okay. So he was on top of Orthanc. That's why he was delayed. How did that timeline shake out in the book? And like, how long did Saruman have him as a captive? Well, in book canon, uh, we don't hear Gandalf's part of the story until over halfway through Fellowship, when they're at the Council of Elrond. Because that's mm-hmm. the first time Frodo sees Gandalf again. Right. So it's it's less like we have this fun back and forth, exciting like here's the Hobbit's misadventures, and here's like Gandalf being, being tortured. You see, <laughs> so Gandalf tells the story of Saruman's treachery to everyone at the Council of Elrond okay. to answer the question, why aren't we talking to Saruman? Because he's the expert about the rings. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yep. So Gandalf goes to Isengard in the first place because he meets Radagast the Brown uh, on the road. And Radagast says that, there's a lot of wizard names. Radagast says that Saruman wants Gandalf to come see him in Isengard. Okay. So there's there's news of the Nazgul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining just like Saruman just like... Uh, like painfully like living through this interaction with Radagast, <laughs> with Radagast? just to like send him a message to to uh, Gandalf <laughs> just suffering through yeah. it he does actually talk about like how much he hates Radagast during like their confrontation <laughs> God. poor little hippie man uh, so there's like Radagast says that there's news of the Nazgul riding west out of Mordor like they're out in the world again which is terrifying yeah and asking about a land called Shire Ooh. Gandalf leaves right away and asks Radagast to have his animal pals keep an ear out and if like any more news of the Nazgul uh, comes up they should send word to Orthanc so that he and Saruman are both apprised gotcha so <laughs> when when Gandalf goes to see Saruman, Saruman is really salty about it the whole time. Like, Gandalf asks for help. And Saruman's like, oh, Mr. Grey Man needs help from me. <laughs> okay. Literally what he says in the book. Gandalf says, like, oh, I, I have need of your counsel or whatever. And Saruman mm-hmm. says, have you indeed, Gandalf the Grey, for aid? It has seldom been heard of that Gandalf the Grey sought for aid. Oh One so cunning and so wise, wandering about the lands and concerning himself in every business, whether it belongs to him or not. Can someone punch Saruman? He's just like a catty, rich <laughs> teenager. Yeah. <laughs> So when Saruman reveals that he has gone full bad guy, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite exchanges in the books. And this is Gandalf relating his story to everyone at the Council of Elrond. Yeah. He no longer concealed his scorn. For you have come, and that was all the purpose of my message. And here you will stay, Gandalf the Grey, and rest from journeys. For I am Saruman the Wise, Saruman Ringmaker, Saruman of many colors. I looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors. And if he moved, they shimmered and changed hue, so that the eye was bewildered. I liked white better, I said. (laughs) Snap. I think that Lord of the Rings doesn't get 
credit for being as funny as yeah. it is. <laughs> was that supposed to be like literal though? Like his robes were actually made of a bunch of colors? Yes. Because he's a bunch of stuff? I think he's just like, I'm not Saruman the white anymore. Now I'm resplendent and mm. I'm all colors. I'm Saruman the off-white. I, oh no! <laughs> I'm Saruman the white with a little orange because I can't get the freaking Cheeto dust out of my robe. <laughs> Exactly. So Saruman imprisons Gandalf uh, on July 10th. Oh, and there's real dates in this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Not every event has like a date uh, yeah. ascribed to it just because like Tolkien didn't do it, but there are some that do. And it's very helpful to build a timeline around those yeah. dates. Like um, Radagast and Gandalf meet on Mid-Year's Day, which is June 30th. Yeah. And then it takes Gandalf, you know, 10 days to ride from there to Isengard. Mm-hmm. So he's imprisoned on July 10th and he escapes on September 18th. So he chills on top of Orthanc for a little over two months. Okay. Which is Damn. horrifying. And yeah, what's, I guess, what's happening to him this whole time? Let's just Google that. <laughs> I honestly think that he was just imprisoned. I don't think he was being tortured, but let me make sure. So, like, Saruman didn't try to, like, kill him? He just wanted to, like, keep him as his pet? <laughs> I think he just wanted him out of the way. Yeah. Not not in the world. But uh, didn't have the balls to finish the job. Classic You Saruman. know how to get someone out of the way? You kill him. Anyone ever tell Sauron that? <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> you know, everything that I can find just says that he was imprisoned. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just, Saruman didn't want him out in the world being a force for good, I guess. Was he just like sitting on top of Orthanc that entire time, just like succumbing to exposure, basically? <laughs> <laughs> he, he describes himself as pacing a lot. So okay. he's just like walking for two straight months. He's like doing push-ups. Like he's getting like getting ripped. Yoked. Yeah, <laughs> Gandalf getting diesel on top of Orthanc, like Uncle Iroh. I was just trying to think of like what is this reminding me of, and that's literally it. It's Uncle what Iroh. What wise old man was imprisoned and then got <laughs> and then got huge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. So I mentioned that um, Gandalf asked Radagast to like help you know, with your animal friends, like mm-hmm. have them bring news to us. Yeah. That is how he is rescued because an animal comes and sees that Gandalf is just like <laughs> imprisoned on top of oh, the tower. Is that the thing where he's like talking to the moth? Yes. So that's like always eluded me. It's just like, what does he say to that moth? I mean, obviously it's supposed to be like magic. Yeah. But it's, is he just like, Hey, tell an eagle. I'm stuck up here. Get, get help. Like, I need to verify. I can't remember if it's an eagle who comes to him right away, so I'm just going to check on that. Okay, so the eagles hear news of Gollum's escape from his imprisonment in Mirkwood, and that is the news that they're bringing to Gandalf. So an eagle, Gwaihir the Windlord, comes to the top of Orthanc and bears Gandalf away before Saruman's like army of orcs and wolves can stop them. Okay. Can stop who? The- uh, stop stop the eagle and Gandalf. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So the eagles are like, like they're intelligent. Mm-hmm. They they're they not just like they're not just like big beasts. Like, That's correct. Okay. Um, it's not like definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They're definitely they're called the eagles of Manway. Okay. And they're not definitely Man Ray. Man Ray. The eagles of Man Ray. <laughs> Man Ray. <laughs> they're not definitely. Uh, this isn't super canon that they are Maiar, but some people think they are because they're mm. intelligent. Yeah, just kind of like 
form of eagle. Exactly. <laughs> Just a cut above regular, your everyday Joe eagle. So you think that like regular eagles look at them and feel like inadequate? Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? I do. <laughs> so Gandalf asks, why here the wind lord? Uh, how far can you take me? And he's like, not far. <laughs> I'm not made to carry grown ass men. Oh. And Gandalf says, okay, well, I just need a horse. And he's like, okay, well, we're, we're by Rohan. I'll drop you off there and you can get a horse. Yeah. And that's where you get Shadowfax. Because the eagles in the movie look huge. They'd have no problem. Yeah, there's no, they have no trouble yeah. carrying Gandalf a long way. But who knows? Yeah. Hollow bones. Yeah. So another question that I had, which I think kind of got answered already, but why is Saruman so much more easily influenced by Sauron than Gandalf is? I think he starts farther down the track of being close to yeah. megalomania because mm. he's already so arrogant and Sauron just is able to use that to his advantage. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, mm. like, Gandalf is naturally just, like, more good. Compassionate, good. for Compassionate, sure. Compassionate, yeah. Mm. Yes, more good. Gooder. Mm. Uh, so, uh, before all of this imprisonment happens and they're just having their chill old man nature walk, just uh, <laughs> one of the things that uh, the exchanges that they have your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. It weed. It's gotta be weed. It's weed. <laughs> uh-huh. Which is funny because, like, Saruman is one of the biggest purchasers of Longbottom Leaf. Yeah, he's just, like, getting everybody else around him high mm. so that he can just, like, do his evil bidding. He can be in charge. <laughs> just, I feel like that would be more difficult. You'd be just hurting a bunch of stoned children no, just, all the just time. Just, like, they just don't care. Nobody mm. else cares about power. <laughs> Yeah, all Sauron really needed was just a hit of that sweet, sweet kush. <laughs> Speaking of Sauron. Speaking of that sweet, sweet kush. That sweet, sweet kush. Um, so the Eye of Sauron, it's really a concept of the ways the ways in which he sees. Like, in the movie, they depict it as, like, a flaming eye. Mm-hmm. But that's just supposed to be a visual representation of just, like, you know, many spies with many eyes. How, Absolutely. like, Sauron uses his minions. His uses beasts and birds. Beasts, birds, yeah, to see things. So that's really what the Eye of Sauron is, right? It's just, like, this general concept of a lot of spies that you just, like, never really know Definitely. are around. Not, like, a literal flaming eye that can look at you. Correct. Like, yeah, any, he's you know. never described that way in the books, but it is a good visual shorthand. Yeah, yeah it, it helps in the movie because it's, like, it gives the threat a real like almost corporeal form if you can call fire (laughs) but you know let's let's have a long talk about what phase of matter (laughs) fire is plasma (laughs) i know that one damn it the fourth phase and i still don't understand it (laughs) no one does that's the secret That's going to be it for this episode of Speak, Friend, and Enter. Thanks so much for joining us. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Those reviews really help people find the show. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, please email us at speakfriendpod at gmail.com. You can also check out the show's Twitter at speakfriendpod for official pod stuff. My personal Twitter is at askistwin, that's I-S-T-W-E-N, and Audrey can be found on Instagram at Audrey underscore underscore Lynn, L-Y-N. Tune in next time for the answers to burning questions like, why does Gandalf so easily lose the fight with Saruman? Where does Frodo's spidey sense come from? And who or what is Tom Bombadil and should he have been included in the movies? Until next time, muhu torgizu todogoskin. May your beard continue to grow.